Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? It's great to have you guys with us today. And if you're just joining us, we are finishing up. Some of you are like, yes, finally. Uh, our series called The Generous Life on Generosity. Um, you know, once a year I take time to talk about things that matter most to us. And as a church, we want to be known as a generous church. And we believe that generosity is key to the life of a believer. Why? Because God has been generous uh, to us. And before I jump into today's message, I want to say this. And you've you probably heard this every week. You'll hear it again. If you think we want your money, we don't. If you want to give to another, if you're not currently giving, you're like, I'm not giving this guy my money, don't. Uh, you can give it to another church somewhere else. We just want you to be able to participate in what God is doing in his kingdom. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 13 this morning. Genesis 13. Now, there's a movie called Talladega Nights. I'm not suggesting that anybody go watch that. If you're thinking you're watching a Christian wholesome movie, it is not that. Um, a long time ago, um, I watched that, so stop judging me. But there was the main character named Ricky Bobby, and he had a memory as a child, very vivid, that shaped his life. As his dad sped off, <laughs> he told his son, if you're not first, you're last, Ricky. Don't forget that. And he sped off. And Ricky Bobby said that's what changed his, that's what motivated him and changed his life to be able to be the best NASCAR driver was because if you're not first, you're last. And I know that sounds funny, but in today's culture, we're actually taught that. We're taught in our culture that we got to put ourselves first. It's all about us. Make yourself happy. And we believe that we must put ourselves first. If not, we're going to be dead last, and we won't get what we need and what we want in life. And I want you to think about this. The greatest addiction that we have and that we struggle with may not be like gambling or alcohol or porn, over-the-counter medications, prescription meds, whatever. It may be the fact of this here, that we're addicted to ourselves, that we're just addicted to pleasure, to just pleasing ourselves. And some may say that Satan is the greatest enemy to the church, but he's not. The greatest enemy to the church are believers who seek to serve themselves. And I want to help you today because you, you have to understand the only way that you can break this greed of serving yourself is to be generous. Think about it with a child. How do you teach a child, a child to not be greedy? You teach them to share. And as adults, we forget that. We think, oh, I'm not greedy. But how are you sharing in generosity? And today, we're going to look at Genesis 13 in a passage that shows someone who lived out generosity, who was a picture of that, and someone who wasn't. Now, the hero of the story today is Abram, who later will have his name changed to Abraham. And Abram had a call from God. One chapter earlier in Genesis 12, Abram has the one true living God speak to him and say, leave, go to a land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And your descendants will be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And who, who blesses you will be blessed and who curses you will be cursed. And so he has this promise from God. And what's important is from that point forward, we don't know of anybody else serving the one true living God. At that point, it's all polytheism. Abraham's dad served many gods. I mean, they had, again, rain gods and sun gods and all that. But Abraham said, I'm going to leave everything I have, dad, because this one true living God's called me to go to a land. He said, step out by faith and I'll show you. So Abraham leaves. He takes his family with him and he has Lot with him. 
one of his relatives who's always getting in trouble. You'll find out more about that in the passage. But what I want you to see here is the mindset that Abram has versus the mindset that Lot has. And look at Genesis 13. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This is the same place Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At the time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. That's, that was their enemies. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. What you have here are two different men, two different perspectives. You have Lot. That he, when he had the opportunity, he took what was best for him. When Abram said, hey man, whatever you want, just take it. It's almost like, you know, you're trying to like, hopefully, hopefully he won't call your bluff. No, they're both looking at the Jordan Valley saying, near the city, saying, I would love to camp there where it's fertile and it's green and it's awesome because my animals can feed. I hope he doesn't take that. But Lot took that. We also don't see that Lot ever worshipped the Lord in this passage. Lot was after himself, what he wanted jockeying for position, looking for opportunity. And Abram is the complete opposite. The perspective we get from Abram is, number one, we see that he had built an altar earlier, that worship was important to him. And as they came back by that place again, on the way somewhere, he paused and he worshiped. But we don't have any record there that Lot worshiped as well, do we? I don't know what Lot was. Maybe he was feeding his cattle or his, his you know, sheep. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't worshiping. Abram also trusted the Lord. He said, Lot, you take whatever you want, and I'll take whatever's left. Abram trusted God. Abram knew that if he served the Lord, God would take care of him. And so I want you to understand this today, and this is what we got to pull. When you look at generosity and this idea of generosity, and this idea of blessing the kingdom of God and putting God first when it comes to your finances and your life, you have to understand this. You will never be last when you put God first. You will never be last when you put God first. 
And I don't just mean the finances, but when you give your life to Christ and you're all in for Jesus and you're serving Jesus, can I tell you that you will never come in last. You, God will never overlook you. It may seem like you're overlooked. It may seem like other people are getting promotions. You may wonder why you're still single and you love Jesus and what, what's happening. Other folks are getting married, having babies around you. You're like, man, God, what are you doing? Can I tell you something? That when you put the Lord first in your life, He will take care of you. There's a special blessing on you. And Abram knew that. And so many times, I think, well, in our culture, we're taught that we have got to cut corners or cut somebody out of something to get promotions and for us to get what we need in life, not trusting the Lord to open doors that no man can open and to shut doors that no man can shut. And so many times, we don't put God first, and here's two reasons why. The first one is fear. We're scared. I mean, well, I mean, especially when it comes to finances, right? Like, I mean, but yeah, if I give, though, I'll, I won't have enough. And that, that's a scarcity mindset we'll talk about later. And so we're fearful, so we don't want to do that. Or, man, if I go all in for Jesus, people will think I'm weird. Man, if, 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 I, if I do it right, I'm not going to get the promotion because I've got to call out some of this incompetency in my company. These other people are overlooking it because, and, and they'll get the promotion because they overlook it. I have integrity. And at every step of the way, let me tell you, we usually don't put God first, and we usually don't uh, put Him, you know, uh, on the throne of our life because we're scared. There's a fear inside of us. But what if He doesn't come through and bless me? What if He doesn't do this? What if He doesn't do that? And the second reason, let's just be honest, we're just selfish. I don't know about you, but I'm a very selfish individual. I think about myself first. I think about how I want to please myself. I've said before that one of the greatest enemies in Christianity today is hedonism. And hedonism is just pleasure for the sake of pleasure. And you know what we've been taught, especially from TV preachers? God wants you happy. Do whatever you want because God wants you happy. And all of that will be in direct opposition to God trying to bless your life. And Abram knew, if I put God first, Lot can have what he wants. If I make you know, God the center of my life, if I follow by faith what he says, if I will do that, then the Lord will take care of me. I want to tell you today, the Lord will take care of you too, especially when it comes to finances. But here's the thing. If we don't put God first in our generosity, then we will only have needs without ever being able to meet needs. If we don't put God first in generosity, we'll only ever have needs without ever being able to meet needs. Lot was always in trouble. <laughs> Abram was always bailing Lot out every time. I mean, think about Sodom and Gomorrah. Had to come get him out of there. He's giving him the land there. Abram never had needs. He always put God first. And I think so many times, you know, we look at people who are always in need I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. And people who are the ones meeting needs, the ones meeting, the people that meet the needs are the ones who are generous. By very nature, they are. Think about it. They're the ones given to the ones in need. Get it? I mean, that's... The ones in need aren't putting God first. I've never met anybody who puts God first in the area of tithing that's always in need. Again, if you don't believe me, find someone in here, and, I, and I, I say this with all sincerity, with gray hair or a little bit of gray beard, I mean, whatever you got to, you know, how that works, and they tithe and ask them, were you always in need and you never had enough? And they'll say, oh, no, honey, let me tell you something. 
and they'll just start telling you how God provides. But you find somebody who doesn't put God first in the kingdom, always in need, always stuff happens, always, and they're never, never able to meet needs. See, God wants to get you to a place where you can begin to meet the needs of other people. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Think about the early church. That's what they did in Acts chapter 2, that they were at a place they could begin to meet each other's needs and bless the kingdom. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I love this, he says that God will supply enough for you that eventually you'll have enough where you can share with others. And so if you don't put God first, then realize in your life you'll never be able to meet needs. You'll just always have needs. And you'll be, the always, you'll be the one always receiving generosity, but never the one giving generosity. And I know this firsthand as a church. Let me tell you as a church, from day one, I was told when I planted my first church in South Florida, I had a mentor who was a pastor who was older. He said, you give to missions off the bat. I was like, but pastor, we had $1.37 given at our first home group meeting. I couldn't even pay for the cookies and Coca-Colas. I fed everybody. Seriously, like we met at home, I just didn't know anybody, so I started church from scratch, and like literally it was a dollar and 37 cents, and I took that and just, I said, let's send it off to missions. <laughs> I'll cover the Cokes and cookies, right? When we came here to Thrive Church, one of the first things I did was I had a friend who had a ministry endeavor in Florida. He came here and preached, and we gave to him. Off the bat, before we ever launched this church, this is almost 11 years ago, before we ever launched it, we were at Bensley and J.G. Henning giving out free school supplies, having a carnival for kids. And we were broke. We were so broke. I mean, again, we were called the ADHD church. We couldn't pay attention. We were so broke. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That money could have been, I mean, what are you, but we were generous off the bat because I knew this. A lot of churches that I talked to, guys say, man, I can't wait to one day I, that we get to give to church planning like you do. I can't wait one day we give the missions like you do. I can't wait one day you get to, I mean, man, you paid a pastor's salary and helped out a month of salary during COVID because he couldn't do it. Yeah, we blessed him. Well, I can't wait to do that one day. Well, why don't you do it now? Well, we just, uh, you, you know, right now it's a little tight. Ah, uh, just not able to. That's called win then. And can I tell you the story of Thrive Church is we're able to meet the needs. You have a reputation. And if you're angry about us teaching on generosity, I'm sorry, because our reputation in this community, even around the United States of America, is this. They know Thrive Church is a generous church. Because from day one, we started saying, you know what? It's not going to be when we get it, then we'll do it. We understood we want to be a church that, meet, that met needs that not always needed uh, that have needs to be met. And we had a lot of needs, guys. When we first launched this church, we had so many needs. And I want you as a believer to say, hey, Lord, I want to put you first in my life in every area so I can begin to meet needs, not just always be a receiver of those needs. So here's what Abram understood, and we have to understand too, and this is the, the mindset you got to have. Adopt the mindset of God first, others second, and self last when it comes to generosity. God first, that's what Abram did. He built an altar to the Lord. He sought the Lord. Put God first. Now, this is where generosity comes in. Generosity to Abram wasn't just building an altar and worshiping God. The second thing he did was this. He was generous to Lot. He said, Lot, you take whatever you want. You get first pick of the land. You get first pick of the draft, right? You go for it. And he was generous. And then he came in last. But what ended up happening, he had to go rescue Lot. Lot got in trouble because Lot put Lot first. And so many times I think, guys, that's when we come to generosity. We think about ourselves first. 
We don't think about God first, others second, and ourselves last. And that's where the blessing comes in. Because giving is a step of faith. It takes faith to actually give. Can I be honest? It's scary. Because you do look at your, your checking account and you're wondering, Lord, I wonder what I'm going to do because if I do this, but I had this money set aside for this or that, it is a step of faith. Some of you are trusting Jesus with your salvation, but you've never trusted him with your, with your, with your finances. And it's a trust to believe that God can do more with your 90% in your hand than you can do with all the 100. That's faith. And that's what it takes to put God first, others second, and yourself last. But here's what this mindset has to do. There's two things that has to happen. Number one, you have to have, have this mindset of obedience over opportunity. Obedience over opportunity. Again, our culture teaches opportunity. Pursue opportunity. Man, get position, jockey for position. At the end of the day, it's not opportunity, it's obedience. And if you're obedient to God, God will open any and every opportunity that he sees fit for you. But with so many times we're focused on opportunity. That's what Lot did. He focused on opportunity. He was opportunistic. Abraham was, a, was a obedient. Abraham sought the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. Lot was all about the opportunity. So let me ask you in your life, are you always looking at opportunities? Opportunities for this and a little more money for that? Or are you looking at obedience? Because when you're obedient, God will take care of you. But if you step out of obedience into opportunity, just for opportunity's sake, God can't promise to take care of you. Because if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Say it one more time. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. That means if God calls you to it, he's going to provide for you, right? But, but if, if you say, I'm going I'm to step out and do this because this is a great opportunity, God's like, you go do that. I can't promise I got you. Because you, you do you, boo. Like, you go ahead and go do that. I can't promise I got you. And so he understood this. He understood that if he was obedient, God would take care of the opportunity. Lot said, I'll take care of the opportunity without being obedient. The second mindset that this produces is this, uh, in a bad way, or a good way, capacity over scarcity. Capacity over scarcity. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I live in a, in a scarcity mindset personally. I grew up very, very meager. Um, when I was in eighth grade, we had, to actually, we had to make our own ketchup at home. Um, I couldn't afford blue jeans to go to school because we didn't have the money. I had to wear jogging pants. Uh, my dad had been laid off. His mom had cancer. His you know, stepdad had just killed himself. Like, it was a terrible time in our family. And I'll never forget how bad that was for us. Um, to this day, I take paper towels, and I tear them, and I tear them in half, and I make napkins. It's just a habit. You know what's a habit? That's a chore that I had at home because we couldn't afford napkins. Like, I always live by that. And so even in my mind, like, I always, I, I just don't think I'm going to have enough. I get scared. I get worried. I get worried about things that aren't even going to happen yet because of what I grew up in. And the Lord has really had to help me to have a mindset like Abram. He had a capacity mindset, not a scarcity mindset. Lot had a scarcity mindset. And that's based out of fear. And my fear is, and this, this is just honest, and I talked to, talk to God about this. Well, God, but what if I don't have enough again? I remember how bad that was as a kid. I never want to be there again. And so when, I get, when that scarcity mindset comes in, here's what happens. I get tighter with my money. I get, get really tight with it, and I'm scared to be as generous. Because what if I give, then I don't have enough for this, or enough for that, but retirement's coming. I'm not getting any younger. See, Abram had a capacity mindset. He understood if he put God first, others second, himself last, God will take care of him. Lot had a scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset's based out of fear. 
capacity mindset is based out of faith. And so I want to encourage you today, where is your mindset at when it comes to serving Jesus? Is it more of a capacity mindset or scarcity mindset? Because again, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, right, when it comes to serving him. But that's what I struggle with. So here's the thing that you have to understand today. Abraham or Abram lived off the leftovers because he gave God his best overs. Best overs are your first fruits. That's the best of what you have. That's the first of what you have. And that's what Abram did. And many of us are, don't, can't understand how do you live off leftovers and you're so blessed. When you give God your first, he blesses the rest of it. When you return to the Lord, the, the, the first 10% of what he's given you, the rest of that has a blessing on it. And he can do more with that. And so Abram understood that. Why? Because he gave God the first and the best. Let me show you Genesis 13 one more time. I want to show you something that's really kind of weird in Genesis 14. In Genesis 13, it says this. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. You see Abram giving God his first, worshiping the Lord. To build an altar means he had to take his resources and Again, take wood and take different things and destroy that and build that. It took time, and it was hard. You didn't have electric you have power tools back then. This was old school. And he built that, and he took time to also worship the Lord there at the altar. He gave God his, his best overs, his first fruits. Then the next chapter over, it gets really weird. There's this strange enigma of a person who shows up. And a lot of scholars, you know, will try to tell you who they think this is, but it's this guy named Melchizedek. And this is way before the law. This is way before Moses. This is like, you know, way before that. And Abram meets this guy named Melchizedek, and some people believe that he's what they call a Christophany, meaning that you have like God in, in the Old Testament would show up sometimes in the form of an, of an angel, the angel of the Lord, right, the theophany. Like when Joshua, remember Joshua was going to fight, and he goes, and this, this angel of the Lord shows up, and he says, you know, Joshua says, are you for me or against me? He says, neither. That was a, a theophany. God showed up. Abram had a theophany one time where he was serving this, this, uh, these, this, these people who showed up, and this person, like he, it, God would show up. Well, most people believe this is Christ showing up to give us a picture of the gospel. So this priest named Melchizedek, priest of Salem. Again, we don't know anything about him. It said he had no beginning, no end. He's referenced in the New Testament. It shows up to Abram. And I want you to look at what happens, the interaction between Abram and Melchizedek. This is very interesting here. It says in Genesis 14, 17, after Abram returned from defeating Kedilomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. The only person who worshipped Jehovah back then, the one true living God, was Abram. We don't even know much about Salem or where it was or what it was, what, what it's about. We have no idea. But it says this, he says, and he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now watch this now. He blessed Abram. And then look what Abram does. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Meaning that he had a blessing there. He's in a kind of a war at that time. 
I want you to realize what, what happened here. Something very, very powerful happened. And this transitions us to us and the gospel in the New Testament. Melchizedek, we don't know who he is. They say he had no beginning and no end. He's the king of Salem. And he blesses Abram. And then Abram gives him a tenth of everything. First of all, let me say this. If you think, man, tithing is Old Testament, this is before, this is, or, uh, this, that's Old Testament and law, and because it's the law, I don't have to tithe, this is before the law. This is before Moses ever came on the scene. Abram just out of, nobody told Abram to do this. This wasn't prescribed to him. This was something he said, you get a tenth of everything, and he gave that to him. But do you realize what he blessed Abram with? Do you, know, do you realize what he gave Abram? You realize the interaction here? Let me read that to you one more time because we, we can miss this so easy. It says this here. It says this, that the king of Salem, what I just what brought out what? Bread and wine. He had a meal with Abram. What is bread and wine? That's a Passover meal. That's what we take in communion today. It's representative of the body and the blood of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That even in the, old, the first interaction they had, he blessed them, he brought out the bread and the wine. That, that is representative of it. Can I tell you this? That like we have the bread and the wine in the Lord Jesus. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That we have Jesus who's done this for us. And our rightful response to Jesus should be, you get a tenth of the first of everything I have. Because of what you've done for me on the cross, for the finished work of the cross. That is a picture of the gospel right there before we ever had the law, before anything. And when the bread and the wine came out, his rightful response of worship was, I'm going to sacrifice to give back to you, God. And friends, can I tell you, that's what our response to the gospel should be. As we wrap up this whole series on generosity, I want you to realize it has nothing to do with money has everything to do with us responding to a God that gave us everything in Christ Jesus. Generosity has nothing to do with you just giving money to a church. Generosity is that you have the light bulb come on that the Lord was generous to you through Jesus Christ, that he's redeemed you by, by no works you can do. There's nothing that Abram did to receive from Melchizedek, right? Just gave him bread and wine, bless him. Jesus did that for you. And the rightful response is, I want the gospel to go forth to the ends of the earth because this message has changed my life. Amen? The one person that got that will, will, will be generous with it and live with it. But it has nothing to do with just money. It's, God, look what you have done for me through Christ. You've given me the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. His body broken for us so we can be whole. integrated together, to be in community together as one, to be whole emotionally, and he's given us his blood to be forgiven of our sins, to have access to a holy God by nothing we could do, nothing but by the blood of Jesus. And because of that, guys, can I tell you, that's where generosity flows from. If you have an issue with generosity, it's because and you've not given God your best overs in life, it's again, you haven't had the revelation of what Christ has done for you. So my prayer for us as we end this series is not that you start giving money to a church. You don't have to give to this church, give it somewhere. 
not about money. It's that you would have a passion for the gospel to go forth to the ends of the earth. Why? Because mama and granddaddy did it? No, because they attended it? No, no, because the Lord has changed your heart and he's gripped you. And you believe Jesus is the greatest thing that anyone could ever experience in their life. Amen? So we pray for you guys this morning. Father, we come to you this morning. And we ask, God, that you would help, help us to have a capacity mindset, not a scarcity mindset. Help us today, God, to have the faith to give you our best overs, Lord. To not be scared, to not be fearful. And God, I pray that there are people in here, Lord, who they have objections to these things here. That you would speak to them, not about money, but about the gospel, Lord. And may there be gospel conversations you have with them this week, Lord. And help us, Father, to fuel your message to go forth, to change lives here and around the world, God. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, I want you to think about this. Again, maybe you realize my heart. I've not given my heart and life to Jesus. I still own my life. I still view my stuff as my stuff. My money is my money. My time is my time that I've not submitted to the Lord. I've not surrendered. If that's you today, whether you're in here physically or you're watching online, today's your day to give your life to Christ. So right where you're sitting, if that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit that I am a sinner. I can't save myself with good works. I need the Savior today. I need Jesus. So God, today I ask that you would save me, redeem me. For I believe that Christ died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he is Lord. Today I repent, I turn from my old life, and I receive a new life in Christ. Now, God, help me to live by faith and not by fear and to serve you with my whole heart. In Jesus' good name we pray, amen. Amen.